Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer, now with even pinker hair, with the Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. We've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Lots of new products, some psychedelic art, codes for discounts, and more. Let's kick it with the code and what's on tonight's show. Code set screen, 10% off, and native restore all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Use it or lose it. You also get free stuff along the way. Maybe I'll talk about that in just a few moments. Talk about some of our live shows, including Show and Tell, some Desk of Lady Ada, Great Search, JP's Product Pick of the Week, Help Wanted, we're hiring here in New York. Talk about that briefly. We've got some advanced manufacturing, made in New York City factory footage, 3D printing, cool video and a speed up. We've got Iron and PI. This week it's NXP, next period, brought to you by DigiKey. Um, do we have any top secret this week? No, all right. No, I think we're just going to show a lot of screens. Yep. New products, questions. We do those questions over on Discord, adfruit.it slash Discord. Check it out. Sorry, answer it. You can also go to discord.gg forward slash adfruit. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Okay. Okay, so with the discount code being touchscreen, you also get free stuff. Lady Ada, what do they get for free? Okay, yes, we still have all of our freebies. Uh, it's wonderful to have so many freebies that during the shortage was a little bit of a struggle, but uh, $99 or more when you buy in the Adafruit shop, you will get this beautiful PCB coaster with a gold inlay Adafruit logo. That uh, comes with bumpers as well. It's perfect for on your desk. Hot drinks, cold drinks, it can do them all. Uh, and it's a uh, collect them all. If you get multiple, um, you now have a set. 149 or more, you get a free KB2040. This is a Pro Micro Pinout compatible KB2040 board with an RP2040 chip. Four megabytes of, sorry, eight megabytes of flash, USB-C, STEM-IQT, buttons, NeoPixel, and more. It's great for keyboard projects or a great starter microcontroller board that can run CircuitPython or Arduino or MicroPython. $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. It's insured. It comes in a brown truck. We love it. UPS. We negotiated better rates, too, so we're happy to keep offering free shipping. And $2.99 or more, we are still doing our promotion with DigiKey and NXP, which happens to also be the INMPI, but this is coincidence, um, featuring their Star crossover microcontroller, uh, Cortex-M7 IMX-RT-1011. Um, it's got lots of pins. It's super duper fast. We put it on a Metro shapeboard so you can use it with Arduino Shield. We've got great CircuitPython support. Um, lots of goodies like a micro SD card, DC power, USB power over USB type C, debug port, STEM IQT, um, comes with a bootloader, uh, and TDF2 already going for it. Um, it's I think a really like our best and fastest Metro ever and you get it free. Okay. Bunch of stuff and it supports us an open source hardware company, um, publishing open source designs. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, what we hit. Over 700. It's up in Hardware Month, so may as well celebrate that. Oh, yeah. And uh, join on in. I can't believe we haven't used the code touchscreen before. I have not. Wow. Double check, too. Okay. Uh, we have live shows and live shows that we did this week, um, in addition to 3D Hangouts, which we'll talk about in a little while, was Show and Tell. Liz did Show and Tell. We're going to um, watch it afterwards. So uh, thanks, Liz, for doing the show. We do show and tell every single week, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, rain or shine or flood or whatever's going on, come by, 
show and share things. It's a good way to bring people together and uh, retro stuff, old books, things, yeah, things that you um, want others to see to maybe inspire uh, them or just cosplay you to, to, to share something that you're making. Everyone makes something, turns out. Okay, on uh, Sundays we usually do just the Lady Edits in two parts. What was part one this week? Okay, so this week I talked a little bit about how uh, we wrote up a guide for the Qualia board, and I wrote um, a demo, which actually I'm going to show when, I, when we demo the, the new screens, uh, that makes it really easy for me to double-check that the hardware works and also customers as they get these displays because they're all different. Um, I also had a USB host feather I tried to do a live demo with, and I accidentally took down my computer's USB port I had to reboot. Uh, so maybe next week I'll do the live demo, but I showed off the USB host feather ring, so you know what it looks like at least. All right, and then we do the great searches where Lady Ada uses her power of engineering to help you find things on digiheat.com. What did you look for this week? This week I looked for clamp-on ferrite beads. Uh, I saw a post by someone who said, you know, I have this off-the-shelf uh, wireless charger, and it was affecting my radio rig, and it was actually really easy to fix by just uh, pulling the cable around a ferrite bead and you know it opens you can wrap the cable around and, and clamp it on um, i showed a cable that has ferrite beads built into it um which is of course you know preferable but a lot of uh companies don't include those because they're kind of clunky and not super aesthetically elegant especially if you're apple and you design stuff in cupertino but thankfully digiki has thousands and thousands of different ferrite beads that can clamp on uh, so you can pick the size and shape and thickness that you need uh, and they're only like a dollar or two. So it will save your radio, save your electromagnetic interference. Uh, so check it out. I show you how to select a whole bunch of different options and uh, taking a look at the data sheet for the different materials you might want to pick. Okay, you can watch all of those later. And then um, on Tuesday, we use JP's product pick of the week. We broadcast live from product page, discount automatically applied. Here is the highlight from this week. It is the Halloween M. With this beautiful screen as a display for your Halloween projects, for your spooky projects, for your skull based projects. I have a config file, it's called config.i. I'm gonna go ahead and turn the eyelids back on. So, upper eyelid and lower eyelid. I'm gonna uncomment those lines. I'm gonna save this file right onto the drive and then I'm gonna press the little reset button that's back here. And you'll see it boots up really quickly and now we have. Uh, the lids. I'm going to adjust the pupil color. I'm going to make a red, terrifying red pupil, and I'm going to change the slit pupil radius. We get dun dun dun. Really cool. Let's do the sclera with the reflection maps. Our dome environmental photo that looks like uh, a, a chrome ball type of thing. It is the Halloween M4. And JP's workshop is tomorrow. On Fridays, we have deep dive with either Tim or Scott. This week it's Tim. Tune in 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern, and dive right into the innards of Circuit Python. We've got a we we've been posting our jobs. You can go to adafruit.com slash jobs slash careers. Um, if you're in the New York area, this is an in-person job. Um, you can join our shipping team. We have the job description there. You can check out um, what we offer. You can ask questions. Um, but you have to be in the New York area. It's an in-person role, of course, because we're shipping. Um, as the part shortage has started to go away, we're starting to ship more orders um, because we have more parts and more things. Um, we'll have a slow Adabox launch. Um, 
as we restart the Adabox machine. So it's a good time to join Pool Company, um, check out our benefits and more. Uh, let's do some Python on hardware. Okay, that is not the Python on hardware newsletter. <laughs> People see behind the curtain. That is not the Python on hardware newsletter. Um, it's an infinity. Anyway, this is what we see. Yeah, it's an infinity mirror. So as I um, convince our video processing okay. application to go to the right browser, it did. Cool. Hey, did you, did you guys know that this is live? Yeah. This is live. That was a time tunnel. Um, anyhow. Um, so this week, um, you can check out the newsletter. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, there's a Python 3.1.2 release. Some people really pay close attention to these. Open Hardware Summit. It's Open Hardware Month. You can check out the summit they announced. Probably going to be in April so, or so. Um, lots of Raspberry Pi 5 news. And then um, the highlights from Hacktoberfest, where you can join in and do like a PR for CircuitPython. We're participating. But um, check out all the projects. There's always too many to go over. Um, a lot of neat e-ink and displays. Lots of display stuff this week and more. But the news, I think the big news, is because we have a sibling, which is MicroPython. So CircuitPython is the um, big, broad board support education, easy to use. Um, we're, you know, we wanted to go on everything. Um, and MicroPython is a core it's built on. If you're in the Linux world, you know, there's different flavors of Linux. There's like the kernel, which has there's like kernel and then kernel everyone moment, builds their thing. Distributions. So we're one of the supporters, both um, philosophically and financially for MicroPython. So when we see a new release, we're excited because that means we can start doing integration. So Ladyta, what were the big highlights for MicroPython um, that we're interested yeah. in that we're going to be uh, adding upstreaming and more? Yes. So one thing to note is um, we do uh, merge with upstream pretty common, uh, pretty often. And actually right now we are in the middle of doing an upstream merge. Uh, that is what Dan and Scott have been working on for the last couple of weeks. They're working very hard. Uh, people who've done uh, merges and have a lot of merge conflicts. There's, it's, you know, there's a lot of code that's shared, but there's also stuff that's gone different. And so it takes a lot of time, but we will be integrating 121 into CircuitPython. And I think, I think the goal is to do it uh, before we release nine beta. Um, circuit Python 9 beta. Okay, so now you know, like, why is this important? Because this stuff will be, some of it will affect us, uh, Circuit Python users. But what's interesting, I thought about this, and we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, is there's a lot of stylistic changes happening to MicroPython that I think were inspired by Circuit Python. Well, hopefully, I, I think that we. Yeah, inspired. I think you are bidirectionally. Like, there's there's stuff that yeah. are like, oh, this is a good idea. And then I'm sure there's things that are like, oh, we like the way you did this, or yeah. we like the way. You can access things on a USB drive or the naming convention. Or yeah. This. So the the big change is you know that is uh, it's it's making a difference in people's code is they're getting rid of the U prefix built in modules. So you used to have to import UOS instead of import OS. In C Python it would be called OS, and in MicroPython would be yeah. UOS. U is like micro, and it'd be like U storage or U whatever like you time not a big deal but it's it's not the same if you're learning python and then you have to kind of say like oh for this you have to remember to do this yeah and there's a couple reasons why they're doing it but i think a lot of it is like you know trying to create more 
um, back and forth integration between C Python code and MicroPython code because you know, and this is something that we do. A lot of the Adafruit example code and libraries will run on a Raspberry Pi running C Python or run on a desktop, which I think is really cool. We only have to write one driver, one example code, and you can use a temperature yeah. sensor, an e-ink display on your you know desktop Mac, on your Raspberry Pi, on your Orange Omega single board computer. Um, or on a SAMD51 or RP2040. And so I think that yeah, this was one of the decisions we made really early that was a, a reason why we had to uh, fork and, and have a different implementation, this distribution, because MicroPython was really like, nope, we want to keep the U prefix stuff. And we're like, we really don't want to keep the U prefix stuff. And so, you know, we, we split there. Um, but it was really great to see MicroPython um, go with that same decision. I, Personally, I think it's a great decision. I think I think it's good to have MicroPython oh. move in with CircuitPython, and it means that MicroPython CircuitPython is becoming a little bit more uh, cross-compatible. I mean, again, yeah. we're always merging upstream, and we contribute as well, um, but I think it's good yeah, to we'll, that. Our stuff will be on different chips. And then if you go to circuitpython.org, you can see all the different boards. Like, mm -hmm. MicroPython has a specific set of boards they support. We have yeah. a whole other set. Um, and then people make their own boards, and they run their own businesses around it. Um, for educators, it's hard to, um, you already have to make a bunch of choices. And it seems like if you're in the education space, people are learning Python. So this just makes it easier. So if you're learning Python or you're in a workshop setting, you're learning Python. And then this makes it, you don't even have to remember, oh, let me put a micro, a little U yeah. or something. Um, so it should help even like documentation. And if you can have code portability, Running on that new Raspberry Pi, running on a microcontroller. I dig it. Yeah. A couple other so, things. Um, they, you know, ESP32, they moved to IDF5. That's actually something that we're also doing, which is kind of good. Um, IDF5 uh, is going to support the newest ESP32 chips. Um, it's a big change, um, but MicroPython and CircuitPython both updated it. They added VLE support for PicoW, which is great. We haven't done that in CircuitPython yet, but we're thinking about it, how we could do it. Um, import stuff has been tweaked to optimize. I think that's probably going to be, you know, that stuff, the core implementation, not port specific stuff does get merged into CircuitPython. So we'll probably be able to benefit from um, their speed ups on importing. Uh, they added ESP now. I think we do too, you know, in CircuitPython, we added a PR and they have a LoRa module as well. So um, some good stuff. You know, I always tell people there are some things that MicroPython supports that CircuitPython doesn't and vice versa. There's space for both of us. Yeah. I mean, the good news is you can choose. <laughs> um, there's a lot of electronics out there where you have to use their ID, their cloud thing, their thing, and you're kind of stuck with it. And once you're stuck with it, that's the end of it. Um, it's nice to be able to run whatever you want to run, right, right tool, right job. Um, also experiment. MIT license. Try them all out. Um, so that is Python hardware news. You can get the newsletter every single week. It has all this and more delivered to your inbox. Totally separate site, adafruitdaily.com. That way you know for sure we are not going to spam you because we don't like spam even more than you don't like spam. Okay, it's Open Hardware Month. Um, and uh, celebrating uh, Open Hardware Month is kind of good timing. Um, we're past. Uh, 420 redesigns. We had our team make this graphic. One of the reasons we're doing these graphics is we're putting SVG animations on our site because they're really lightweight and everything. So we're like, oh, here's a cool one. This is like trippy, haha, 420. You know, get it out, just get out of your system, ha 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 ha. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Just, <laughs> well, it's just, you know, now it's just funny, ha ha. Um, 
So you're actually past this. So we 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 sailed past 460 redesigns, and that way we're not stuck with any form of chip shortage. I kind of have a feeling there's going to be natural disasters or political uh, meltdowns and conflicts around planet Earth that are going to affect electronics and everything else in our lives. So we wanted to make sure that we're not going to be stuck with that again because we just lived through that for the last three years in some way. So the redesigns of all these uh, products yeah. um, allow us to have different chips, have different suppliers um, when things aren't available, can move to a different one. Yeah, and I'm also like not, I used to be like, oh, this chip went discontinued, but you know, maybe I have a couple of years. Now I'm like, I'm designing it out. I'm not even waiting. You know, I don't even know if I'll ever get it again. So um, moving much faster on um, the redesigns, but yeah, you'll see a lot of boards have new silkscreen. I and mean, we're talking about the new product this week is a redesign as well. Um, that's exciting. Okay, so if you go to oshawa.org and you check out certification and you type Adafruit, we just passed 700. So we were the first to get to 500, the first to get to 600. We're the first to get to 700. We're at 708 and you can see, bah, 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 so certified open hardware. Um, certified open. Yeah, certified, well, it ran off the screen. Open source. But it's like, yeah. certified. And, you know, uh, there's lots of entities out there that use the term open and it's a fun marketing term, but there is a clear signal you can send to the world if you want. There is a way to say our stuff is out there. Here's the license. Here's the files. Um, the certification process is easy. Um, we're up to 700. We'll see, you know, how long it takes to get to a thousand. But um, this is one of the things that we do. This is always out there for as long as there are humans and computers, um, this hardware is available, the software is available, and you can use it, modify it, do all the things you want to do to it. It is yours. Uh, and you can also buy some stuff from us if you want. Um, learn from the designs, a lot of people do. Um, we do have a bunch of uh, learn guides. Um, yes. One thing I wanted to mention, if you haven't already, go to our playground section because we have a lot of, uh, of these. Anyone can do these. All you need to do is make an account on Antifruit. But um, learn guides this week. What are the ones on the big board, Lady? Okay. Um, all right. So this week, uh, we have a couple updates. Okay. So the IO Basics guides actually got a pretty big update. I know, like sometimes we, an update is just like, oh, we updated like one schematic drawing. But the IO Basics guides, uh, the dashboards and feeds, which is like behind me right here. Yeah, feeds. Uh, Brent just did like a huge scrub down. He just like scraped away all that old paint, and he's like, there's beautiful wood underneath, and then he varnished it. Um, it basically the equivalent of. Um, so check it out. They're now updated. They now talk about Whippersnapper. They talk about the new uh, interface. Uh, they describe feeds and dashboards in more detail. And all the dashboard blocks have been updated because we've had a lot added recently. So it says by Todd, but because he was the original author, but Brent just did a huge update and I want to give him that love. Um, Super Nintendo USB controller. This is a remix of uh, a re remix, a remake of a really old guide that we had that used Teensy 2, and you can't get those anymore. And some people were like, hey, we still want to build this, how to make a controller to USB. Uh, so Robert Dale Smith, um, we, we just call Robert Smith, because we wish we were friends with the lead singer of The Cure, uh, updated it to use a KB2040, um, a great demo. And also, he's just an expert at converting controllers to USB. Uh, Trevor did a um, RGB matrix near times scroller. Maybe that was last week, but it, anyways, it, it takes. Yeah, it was last week, but it's here. 
anyway, it's still cool. Um, and he's going to do another really cool guy he's working on, but he's uh, doing projects for PyLeap and CircuitPython and the Matrix Portal. Okay, and then uh, go up. Uh, another remake. So the HAL 9000 prop was one of like our first prop projects. Uh, Phil B and you and I did it together. And the original used an Arduino and it used a wave shield. And there was a lot of soldering and there's a lot of hacking around to get it to work. This version is 3D printed um and it looks great he still uses our button it's very similar to the style but now it uses the prop maker feather which means there's no soldering like audio buttons leds um all are built in and you just use a screwdriver to connect the wires together and you've got like a fully ready to go prop and you can put any audio files you want on there um wave or mp3 is supported uh to make your very own um computer that doesn't let you into the um yeah, I think what we'll see is some folks use like ChatGPT or something like it and some of the audio um, with the new versions that are coming out, you can talk to it. Yeah. And it does voice recognition with like Whisper and then it'll talk back. They'll probably have voices that you can use. So we'll probably get pretty close to to having something that you can have at home that that is an interface to how, you know, that that's that seems close an approximation i wonder if you ask ChatGPT 4 to act like how like what would happen um you probably <laughs> can um one of the other things that would be interesting um i don't think we're gonna have time to do this but i'll just throw it out there there's probably gonna be a um like ChatGPT llm interface for hardware at some point where you talk and there'll be a bridge between it and it'll allow you know control of hardware i mean they have this with like siri and alexa and all that stuff yeah, but but yeah but it's very hard for it to work so this might be something interesting someone probably will come up with this and maybe maybe they'll be inspired by this yeah they'll definitely be adding i'm, I'm assuming they'll be adding all yeah and then um one other thing you know the the creepy part of um 2001 space odyssey because this was a long time ago when this movie came out and they kubrick did a really neat thing where they're like, oh, let's go into the other room. Yeah. And and like, so how can hear us? And do you remember um how looked at the the lips? Oh yeah, they had the it. quiet, they had this this. Yeah. Silent, and you see, see and you see how go, you know, you see you, the camera going you, back you, and yeah, forth. Yeah. And what an interesting thing because the ChatGPT now has um photo recognition. Be interesting to see if one day um AI can start to do lip reading. Ooh. That's so, hard. Yeah. Um, well, you know, maybe, maybe it is not. until it isn't. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with um, all this stuff. But, um, you know, I know some of this is like a little polarizing. I say, like, why don't we learn about this? Why don't we make it open source? And why don't we share? Because that seems to be the way to 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 use these tools, just like all of past technology. Um, you know, everything runs on open source. So some of these projects are kind of neat because it's better than, well, I'll say this. I'd rather, I'd rather build my own LLM, ChatGPT, OpenAI thing with hardware that I know about and the software that I know about than like Siri or Alexa. I, just would. Yeah. I mean, at least I can do stuff. I mean, there's... There's people who I think run large language models on like a Raspberry yeah. computer. Like you can yeah, do it. That's it's gonna not make, yeah, I mean, as good as the big ones, but yeah, it does run. But, I feel like that's 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 how we're going to learn anyways, um, especially the next generation coming up. Do you want people just to have like, all you do is talk to it and talk back or do you want to build on top of it and understand how it works um, and then share that and then, you know, 
raise all of our knowledge. So anyways, okay. um, any other? Uh, yeah, sorry. I think there's, okay, we have the Qualia guide. Um, we'll be showing the Qualia board as well. Yep. And I think uh, that's it for this yep. week. We have a video or two, right? Yeah. Okay, let's do some factory footage. And you can tell who grew up trying to imagine the music videos I would make for MTV. Okay, okay. Uh, let's do some 3D printing. Okay. Um, now Pedro have their video of the week. We're going to play back to back. This is the Howl video. And then a speed up. Take it away. I am Howl 9000. I am powered by the Adafruit RP2040 prop maker Feather. Build a prop replica of the iconic HAL 9000 from the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. Press any key to enter the REPL. Powered by the Adafruit RP2040 prop maker Feather and CircuitPython, this project uses the biggest arcade button to trigger audio samples. This is a remake of an earlier Adafruit project that used Arduino and a wave shield. Now we can simplify the project to have better quality audio and no soldering required thanks to the Feather's integrated audio amplifier and built-in storage. The arcade button features an LED that when pressed randomly plays an audio file as the LED blinks. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. A 3 watt enclosed speaker is used to output high quality digital audio from the RP2040 PropMaker Feather's I2S audio amplifier. Quick connect wires make this a no solder project. Just plug into the terminals and secure the wires to the screw block terminals on the prop maker feather. CircuitPython makes it easy to add audio and LEDs to your projects. The code pulls a list of audio files stored on the prop maker feather and randomly plays them when the arcade button is pressed. To learn how to build your own, check out the guide at learn.adafruit.com. We think this is a great starting point for all sorts of props that need audio playback and LEDs. The enclosure is 3D printed and joined together with screws, making this easy to assemble. We hope this inspires you to check out the RP2040 PropMaker Feather and CircuitPython for your next project.
CircuitPython is the best interpreted programming language I've ever experienced in all of my existence. Okay, and before you go to Iron MPI, don't forget to code is touchscreen. All the freebies all apply. Save 10% off. Get one of these things. Save a buck or two. Okay, let's do INMPI. I on MPI. I on MPI brought to you by DigiKey. This week's it's NXP. Anita, what is the new product of the week? Okay, week? yes, from Nexperia. This is their first load switch. It's like, you know, I was like, oh, maybe they have stock other ones and this is just their latest. Nope. This is their first time getting into this market. So this is the NPS 4053. I was anxiously waiting until this was in stock uh, and it's now in stock at DigiKey. So I feel like it's time to highlight it. Um, so this is a 5.5 volt or 5 volt load switch, 55 milliohm. Um, it, you know, are on resistance, uh, up to 80 milliohms at VN 2.5. And basically it's what it sounds like. You have an input voltage and output voltage, and you want to connect the input to the output, uh, you know, so that you can power a sub circuit, turn it on, turn it off, um, have current limiting, um, have under voltage lockout protection, have short circuit protection, um, can be used for a couple different reasons. Uh, one can be um used to turn on and off a circuit to reduce power or to protect against again like short circuits like you have in this case uh the example for the application is usb your usb device malfunctions you don't want to take down the hub and the computer um so you would be able to disconnect it cleanly and um this is just a very nice all-in-one integrated switch that does a lot of things so a lot of times when we say you know you want to turn something on or off um you might use a mechanical switch and you know we've done that before we have circuits um and i'll show in a little bit on like a metro where we use a mechanical switch to uh sorry on the um bff lipo for cutie pie we actually just use a mechanical switch to turn things on and off the switch is rated for the amount of current we need to pass so you just uh you know, toggle it left or right, turns on or off, or here's an on-off mechanical switch that's designed to carry, you know, up to five, 10 amps of current. Uh, but, you know, that's mechanical. So for electrical, you know, you can use a relay or we covered um, SSRs a bunch of times on INMPI. You can check out those videos on when you can use an SSR. These are also great, very high currents, uh, very fast, um, you know, have uh, not mechanical disconnection, but good electrical disconnection between input and output. But these are really big. They're meant for like extremely high currents and extremely high voltages, you know, 200, 300 up. 
Um, so this is, you know, an example of, of a mechanical switch that we've used. Uh, it's really simple. You want to either um, connect the VBAT voltage, the battery input, to the 5-volt power line or not. Um, you have a mechanical switch. You flick it to connect. You flick it to disconnect. In this case, it's a DPDT, and I connect it in parallel to get twice as much current rating. Um, I want to make sure that the 5-volt doesn't feed back into the battery, and so you'll see that diode. And like I said, this is a mechanical solution. Uh, works fine, but it tends to be for either... Um, you know, either you have a small switch and, and it's low voltages and currents, or it's a very big, very expensive uh, relay or SSR or switch. If you want to do it electrically, um, so you have a voltage controlling whether something is connected or disconnected, another common setup is the PFET. So T2, um, the transistor in the middle there, is a high current P-type uh, MOSFET. And I think it can pass like 4 amps or so, and I think it's good up to 12 volts. Uh, VDS and VGS. I do have a, a switch there, uh, but you can ignore that. That switch is just, you know, if you want to also connect it electrically. Um, and PFETs do quite well, except there's a couple of downsides. This is a high side PFET. So one is, if you want to control this from a lower voltage, you'll have to have another N-channel or NPN type transistor because you see the gate is pulled up high to the input voltage, and so you don't want that to go into your microcontroller. So you'd have to have a separate transistor just to um, switch on and off the gate. Uh, the second thing is that you see in the symbol for the PFET transistor, T2, there's that little diode that's pointing back. That's the body diode. Um, and in this case, um, what would happen is that if you, you know, had a separate power supply or maybe some leakage into the VIN voltage, it could go back into the power supply, which is not good. You don't want to have bidirectional switch um, current you want to have no direction at all like neither from input to output or from output to input sometimes you can um for in this case i put in a, another diode you see d1 and that makes sure that there's absolutely no way for any back feeding or sometimes people use back-to-back -back transistors but now and i have two transistors and you have to switch both of them and it gets a little more complicated um and you know you need a couple of passive resistors as well to do the pull ups and downs so this is a common you know way to do load switching, but there's a lot of downsides. There is not true disconnection. Um, another thing is, you know, I've used this in, uh, I used this in a feather design once to switch on and off an I2C power supply to you know, internal I2C sensors. And it worked fine when the I2C sensors were five, 10 milliamps, but when it hit 50 milliamps, because turning on the MOSFET is like instantaneous, there was a huge current spike as it powered, um, you know, some capacitors or some, uh, high-powered electronics on the output side, and it would brown out the input because of this like kind of instant fast uh, rush of current. And so there's no current limiting here. You could add a crowbar circuit, but now now it's getting really complicated. It's getting to like ten components just to turn uh, on and off some circuitry. You know, another solution um, that you could do is have a separate regulator. In this case, you know, this is another design uh, type I use. So instead of a PFET, I use a separate regulator. And then the enable pin is tied to an IO, and then you can turn it on and off. This works great as long as you have a higher voltage with enough dropout that, uh, you know, when you have that current rush, it doesn't affect the other power supplies. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't always want to have a regulator for each one. You know, you have to add more capacitance. Um, you, know, you have to pick one that doesn't have, uh, you know, feedback voltage from output to input. 
Um, sometimes you don't have headroom anyways for an LDO. You know, you maybe have a DC, DC power supply that is providing a lot of current to multiple uh, subsystems. And also the regulator could be kind of big um, because it's also doing regulation when you really just want to enable or disable it. So thus the uh, NXP um, NPS 4052. Um, so here it is. It's a two millimeter by two millimeter package. So it's nice and small. It's very simple. You have the input and the output. You have the logic switch on. You have a flag output. So that is something that tells you when then there's an error, if there's a short circuit or under voltage or over voltage or whatever. Uh, I limit, which is kind of neat. The resistor can be used to limit the current to convert from constant voltage to constant current. And there's a duplicate output because you know you want to have a, uh, sorry, there's a, the output voltage. And then there's uh, ground and thermal pad. So very simple, only six pins required. All of them do something. So this is like bare bones. Um, I will say that, you know, the one thing to watch for, this is designed for three to five volt logic um, input. You know, it's, it, you saw the example was to use it for USB, but it does do up to two amps output current, just quite a bit. Um, so this is good for high power switching on and off. Um, you can set the limit uh, to anywhere between zero to two volts, uh, sorry, zero to two amps, but yeah, you can't really go above 5.5. And honestly, I would stick to between three and five volts for this. Um, one of the nice things is you can see, you know, you turn it on, it has this kind of this slow start is what they call it, where um, you have a slow ramp up, which is often better for electronics. They kind of want the power to slowly ramp. They don't want it to like go up, ring, you know, go up and down, and then also in turning off, um, it's, it's instantaneous. So you want like slow start on and quick start off or quick off. Uh, it handles transients pretty nicely. You'll want, of course, capacitance on there. Uh, it reacts to short circuits very quickly. You can see the bottom right when there's a hard short, it like pretty, you know, there's a quick current spike and then immediately, it, you know, the protection kicks in and it turns off the output within, you know, a few microseconds. Um, Here's just a short circuit protection that they talk about. Um, what is nice is that when the short circuit goes away, uh, it does recover. So like, you know, the current limits, but it will, um, you know, when the short circuit is released, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm good to go. And it comes back on. Um, some voltage regulators and switches uh, latch on or off. Um, and then finally, there's the fault output flag, uh, kind of handy. So it tells you over temperature, I think under voltage, over current, um, etc. And then of course the enable pin can be controlled. If you have a five volt power supply, you can control it with a lower voltage. Um, I think the neat thing here is the, the constant current capability is really nice. You just pick a resistor, uh, and then you can limit the current and it will automatically convert from constant voltage to constant current mode. Um, which is quite nice because it means, you know, if you have something that's taking a little bit too much current, unlike a fuse, which will just instantly cut it off you'll just, you know, slowly reduce the power and maybe um, you have a chance to recover. And Available on DigiGate. And they're in stock. And you can see 3,000, like a full reel. They just came into stock today. So you can pick these up. Yeah. It's a very nice uh, first load switch available from NXP. And we have a video. We're going to play it. Now let's take a look at some of the key product features that the MPS4053 has to offer. The input operating voltage range for the MPS4053 is 2.5 to 5.5 volts. 
At 5.5 volts input, the RDS on is 55 milliohms. This allows for lower power dissipation, lower voltage drop across the pass fed, and greater thermal performance. The maximum continuous current that the device can withstand is 2 amps. This is the amount of current the device can sustain indefinitely, whereas peak inrush current is only sustained for a short amount of time. The MPS4053 also features a precision adjustable current limit that can be programmed with an external resistor from 110 milliamps to 2.5 amps. This device also features an active low fault pin which asserts low under an over temperature, over current, or reverse voltage condition. One of the unique features about this device is its eye limit pin protection. This means the device will continue to operate normally if the eye limit pin is shorted to ground or open and will continue to regulate current normally. This device also features active reverse voltage protection, which means the pass-fet will turn off if the output voltage exceeds the input voltage by about 75 millivolts typical. Lastly, this device features built-in soft start, which allows the output voltage to be applied smoothly and gradually to the downstream load to prevent the instantaneous delivery of power which can damage the load. Next up, let's take a look at the MPS4053 versus the competition. The MPS4053 offers best-in-class on resistance, maximum continuous current, eye limit pin open and short protection, reverse voltage triggering threshold, current limit accuracy, and all of these devices offer overcurrent protection, over temperature protection. Okie dokie, before we go over to new products, don't forget, turn this touch screen, let's do some products. Screens. Lots of screens. Touch screen, new screen, we all screen for screen. For screen, screens, okay. This is the 3.4 inch uh square 480 by 480 display without touch screen um let's go to the overhead and okay i can show my demo i finally got all these demos going so this is what these look fantastic in person we're going to still show them on all the overheads though so. yeah so but we know we do our best okay screen through screen through screen screen so this is the version without a touch screen so you see it's much thinner and it doesn't have a bezel and this is a version with touch screen so it's kind of tough to see what it's on but it's got uh the glass bezel um so it's got more protection it's a little bit more expensive um and here i'm driving it with the qualia esp32 s3 you do need a microcontroller that can or a microcomputer that can drive these rgb dot clock ttl displays and most can't the usb32 s3 is kind of unique in that ability um i have here just doing a color demo and then uh this is also a touch screen so you see as i touch it with um, capacitive touch, so I touch it with my finger, I'm drawing um, little dots. So this is a 480 by 480 square 3.4 inch diagonal display. So it's the first of our set, capacitive and non-capacitive. Okay, Next up, bar display. Um, two TFTs walking to a bar. So this is a 3.2 inch 320 by 820, I think, bar display. Um, also available both with and without capacitive touches is without. And then if you keep going, 
this, you know, with without the capacitive touch, you see it's much thinner. And then, and yeah, that one with the bezel with capacitive touch. Yeah. So and this is the other one that has. That's the, that's the last one. Yeah. But so, back to the. Yeah. So, so there's differences when they. That's a four touch. inch. Yeah. They look slightly different. Okay. So this is the three point two. So this is the bar display. Um, so it's much more rectangular than most. Um, but it can be really cool. So I think there's a lot of times where you like you want a very slim display um, with a lot of pixels. So 320 by 820 pixels. Um, so let's go to the overhead and I'll show this one next. Uh, so this is the two versions. This is without the touchscreen overlay. You see there's no circuit here. This is with, uh, so it's got that nice glass bezel. You're going to pay more for capacitive touch, uh, but the without capacitive touch is um, also perfectly fine. Um, and this, this demo is also showing off this one. You need to be a little closer. Yeah, so showing off. It looks, you know, amazing in person, but it's a TFT of a TFT of a TFT. Uh, so this is also capacitive touch, so you see I can uh, touch it with my hands. Um, and the little white dots show up over the rainbow. So using a Qualia ESP32 S3 board um, for this, again, you do need to have a microcontroller that is designed to work with um rgb dot clock tatl displays um we can do like 16-bit color and and large displays um but we've got example codes and a tutorial for this in arduino and circuit python and then finally on the display train is the four inch 720 by 720 so this is definitely like as big as it's going to get um for a number of pixels on these displays we also have these in um with and without capacitive overlay uh, so this version you know happens to be the, the photo we added is the one without capacitive overlay but the demo i have on the overhead is with so we can go again to the overhead again driving it with a qualia esp32 s3 which is designed to drive these displays it's flickering because it's you know it's a camera taking a photo of a tft um, but this one is also a touchscreen with capacitive overlay Capacitive overlay is going to cost a little bit more, but of course it has touch and, uh, you know, it's got a nicer look because there's a bezel to it. So you decide whether you want with or without um, capacitive touch bezel. Uh, and again, supported both in Arduino and CircuitPython. All right, next up. Okay. Uh, this is our vision. Um, we have our CAN Feather back in stock. It is the uh, SAMD51 based CAN board. Uh, it now comes with the terminal block pre-attached. Uh, might be in green, might be in blue, might be in black, but even less soldering than ever. It's kind of plug and play, ready to go. Uh, so you get, you know, a SAMD51 um, that has a CAN peripheral built in. We toss on a, a transceiver, terminal block, uh, and you're ready to do um, CAN communication on a Cortex-M4 in Arduino or CircuitPython. Okay, next up. We now have the USB-C C version of this kind of like built-in monitor cable. So this version has USB-C on one side. USB-C on the other side. Um, and so it's good for if you want to use this with USB PD, power delivery, it'll tell you the wattage that it got on the other side, which is handy because otherwise, you know, there's no real way to know, like, did the power delivery work? Am I getting that, you know, 100 watts or 50 watts? Because by default, 5 volts, 1 amp is only 5 watts. So if you see um, like this image, you can see, you know, to get 11 watts, the power delivery must have worked because you're not going to get more than 10 um unless you have a functional power delivery so phones tablets um you know computers like raspberry pi whatever um other devices that have uh, power delivery laptops 
um, this will be a very handy cable. It's a very nice quality. And also like you can now tell what is the fastest charger in the house. Um, I use it all the time for when I'm charging, you know, my laptop or my tablet, because, you know, sometimes some of the PD um, power supplies I have don't have the exact voltages that the device wants. This way I don't have to like look at the little text and unplug it. I just plug into one after the other until I'm like, oh, that's the one that gives me 30 watts. Great. I'm done. And Star Show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, our community is? Yay! It's the, the zombification of our 2.4-inch TFT Featherwing. Um, this has been like two years out of stock because TFT shortages, chip shortages. Um, but it's now back. It's better than ever. I'm so glad to see this. We did the, the TFT Shield. Um, it, sometimes it takes a long time to do these big revisions but I think it's worth it. So if we stop on this image, um, the big changes are we now use the TSC 2007 I2C resistive touch controller instead of the STMPE SPI uh, touch controller. So that's kind of nice. Um, so now we have one free pin. Uh, we don't. We used to use it as a chip select, but now we're using I2C so we don't have to have another GPIO pin used. Um, so we connected it to the IRQ line. So if you want like really fast notifications of touch, um, input, you know, alerts, you can just watch that GPIO or use an interrupt. Um, we updated the silk screens, looks really nice now using Futura. Um, the reset button is right angle now. And we also added a STEM IQT port. You can see that the kind of the bottom right area. And uh, I can just, I can show the demo. I mean, the demo is very similar. Yep. But why not? Hold on. Sorry. Plug it in. Okay, so uh, if we go to the overhead, so this can you work with basically any feather. Um, I've tested it with the 32U4 up to uh, RP2040 and the SAMU51. So anything that uses SPI and I2C in the correct locations will work. Um, you can read images and files off of the micro SD card. Uh, you can use the on off to turn on off. So, like, you know, I want to quickly turn off the whole thing. That's kind of nice. This is the reset switch. It's now right angle. So you can see it starts over the program, except my SD card doesn't like it when you cut power in the middle. Um, so this is a demo which uh, draws some flowers off of the SD card. And then uh, there's a resistive touch screen. So resistive makes it inexpensive, but you will have to use something kind of pointy. You can't use your finger pad unless you really press down. Fingernails work best. Um, and then the STEM IQT port is over here for boards that don't have it, like RP2040 does. And then if you want to connect to uh, the backlight to control it by default, that's always on, or the card detect, that's also available. But I know people have been waiting for this redesign for a long time, and I'm kind of psyched that, uh, man, I'm not really... SD card, this SD card really likes to be power cycled. Uh, I'm glad to have it back in stock. And it's back. Yay. Images and more, and just another example of... We don't give up. Dude. Dude, I did, did so many redesigns. And this is products. New. Okie dokie. Um, don't forget to go to the touchscreen and you have free stuff. We're now gonna, you know why it's touchscreen. Yeah, go over to uh, Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord or discord.gg slash adafruit. Let's do some questions. Had a yeah. couple uh, lined up. Oops. <laughs> What's that one? Mm. 
Okay. Um, discount code. Someone had asked before. It's touchscreen. I just put that up there. Um, person purchased four Halloween boards and was wondering if there's a way or their code sample to synchronize left and right eye movements. Yes, I'm like 99% sure that we have a guide specifically on. Yeah, I think it's like Halloween, like two eye or dual like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll say you know we have thousands of guides, so I just it's it's tough sometimes. I maybe following dual D U. Well, let's just. I'm just go then. Yeah, let's uh, let's go to let's go to the. Uh... You want to you want to do live search? Well, yeah, I mean I just typed Halloween. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. we have a lot of Halloween guides. Yeah, it's cool. Macintosh. Just synchronize eyes. Yeah. With two Halloweens. That was this. So we we do have example. Um, so check it out. You can synchronize them this way. Yeah. Um, and then a, a question, you know, I'll span a couple of different chats. Um, would you be able to make eyes with the new screens that we have? Would you be able to do how, or how would you do it if that was possible? So to do eye, which is something we've chatted out. So first off, I want to take a look at the eyeball code and see first off, the, the resolution is much bigger. Um, but, you know, the ESP32 S3 does have pretty fast uh, TFT updates. Um, another option is I do have code to play AVI Cinepack videos. So you could just have a video of whatever you want to display. So these are dynamically generating um, the eyeball code, but you could also just have a pre-recorded video of an eyeball, which could be kind of fun too, um, and pop it on there. But it's definitely something I'm going to try to do before Halloween. Yep. Okay. Let me go back to the question here. Um, I'll do a, uh, there was a question about Adabox and there was a question about Raspberry Pi 5s. So for Adabox, our plan still is to get some Adaboxes out this year. We are restarting the Adabox machine. So what we're going to do is as we're doing that, we're going to let everyone know we're going to be able to get a small number out first and then more later and then more later and then more later. later. And then um, hopefully next year as we're kind of back in biz um, with Adabox it is, um, get back to, you know, scheduling out for a year. Um, I actually want to even do more. We have some other ideas on how to do more, but a lot has just been pending being able to get, you know, thousands of thousands, thousands of uh, parts at a time. Okay. And then for Raspberry Pi 5, um, what's the best way to get a Raspberry Pi 5? Here's what I'm going to say. Listen to the people who make them. Raspberry Pi on their site has a blog post and they say, if you're a subscriber of Hackspace Magazine or Magpie, you get a code emailed to you. You can still subscribe now. And that is the first round of Raspberry Pis that's going to go out. So they obviously want people to subscribe to the magazine. They fulfill that's them. A magazine. Yeah, they fulfill through, uh, I think it's like PyHat or something. And um, that's how, that'll be the first way. Everyone else is pre-order, but that just means back order. So it's unknown. It's unknown which, how many each, all of the official resellers are going to get. And then there's people pretending to take your order. Um, we got a notice from, um, I think it was Raspberry Pi, that said, hey, watch out. This is happening. I think other people noticed too. There's companies that claim they'll take your pre-order and then like one day in the future. So what we're going to do is when you see the Raspberry Pi 5s in our store, it means we actually have them. And when you place the order, we ship it. So the downside, I guess for us, it's not really a downside. It's just a different way to do business is we're not doing pre-orders or back orders. If you see them on our site, we have them. So I think the best way for sure is to get it from Raspberry Pi through their subscription. You can always place pre-orders anywhere you want. It's just unknown when those are going to ship their back orders. And then if you see them on Adafruit, you can sign up to get notified when we have them in stock. 
they we definitely have them. We don't we won't ship something unless we have it. So those are your best bets. Uh, next up, what determines the product pick of the week? Just curious. Always wonder if it was random or whatever. This is for JP. Yeah, for JP. Um, JP and I and uh, the new products team work out um, our schedule. We try to do stuff. Of course, it has to be in stock. We have to have plenty in stock. We don't want to run. You know, we once ran out too quickly. So we make sure that we have plenty in stock. Um, we, we try to do things that are thematic or recent. Um, but we also sometimes do classics uh, or, you know, recently a lot of stuff has been coming back into stock. If it has, you know, the Feather M4 hadn't been in stock for really for like a year. Um, and so we did that one because I was like, hey, let's celebrate by giving people half off. Um, so there's, you know, it's 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 half random, but it's also half uh, carefully selected and chosen. Yeah. Okay. Let me see if there's any other questions. Uh... Yeah, well, this sort of a question on us. So, would you be able to, what, if it was possible, how could you have the eyeballs follow something? Mm, that's a good question. Maybe a people sensor down the road. Yeah, you could do a people, well, the people sensor just tells you whether they see them or not. Um, we did do an eye following project with a Raspberry Pi, I believe, if you also, if you want to learn and search. I think JP did it, um, a spooky um, portrait, and the eyeballs followed you, and it did. Um, open CV with a Raspberry Pi and a Raspberry Pi camera. Yeah. Oh, we've, and, by the way, we've done every project. I just have to yeah. remember what it's called. Yeah, it's our backup for you know, the, the learn system. Um, and then uh, a note here, um, as Magpie notes, you can subscribe to both Magpie and Hackspace, and this person did in the chat, and they got two codes. So that's that if you need two, that that would probably be a better way. So I do it because well. it's still, you know, there's it's not a shortage, but there's a limited. Every pie release is a limited quantity. Yeah, there's not unlimited. So that's what I would say is like, play, but, you could place your bets, yeah. but the best bet would be going through where Raspberry Pi is. Like you will definitely get one because we want you to subscribe to the magazine, and then you could probably. Um, place orders on other sites that, that say they're doing pre-orders or back orders. Um, it's just really unknown when those are going to ship and if they charge your card or if, if there's part of another order or if something comes up. So we're just sticking to if you place an order on our website for Raspberry Pi, it means because we have them and we're going to ship them to you. I, I do want to check really fast. I'm I'm like 90% sure that we have... Uh, we do have Raspberry Pi 4, 4 gigabytes in stock right now. Yeah. If you want, if you want a Raspberry Pi 4, 4 gig, which is like a, a very good, it's like a good middle of the road. It's like not one or two gig. It's not eight gig. Yeah. It's a good amount of RAM. Get, Those are in stock right get now. Get one anyways, um, because you might need it for a project. And uh, who knows? As you know, get them, get them while they're getting good. Um, yeah, there was a lot of talk when there was a shortage. Not so much now that they're all in stock, because that's just the way the pendulum swings with okay, the news. Okay, you, you need a cluster? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cluster data. Yes. We're here. We have you. Go for it. Okay. That is all the questions. Right on time. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget the code is touchscreen. Bunch of free stuff waiting ahead for you. This has been an Adafruit production. We very much appreciate that you came by tonight. Thank you so much. Here is your moment of Zener. Good night, everybody. Bye.